Welcome to the Embracing Brokenness podcast, where our goal is to engage with all of those willing to venture deeper into their transformational journey with Christ. Here's your host and co-founder of Embracing Brokenness Ministries, Steve Adams. You're not likely to experience full transformation if you don't know what it is and are not devoted to its pursuit, George Barna cautioned. Most Christians mirror cultural goals desiring happiness, comfort, security, belonging, and popularity. Surprisingly few are focused on completely cooperating with God to experience the kind of whole life transformation described in the Bible and made possible only through a partnership with God. Now, if many of you aren't familiar with George Barna, he founded a group that does a lot of research, uh, mostly in faith-based ways. So if you go to our website, you'll see that we're committed to understanding that there's a better way for us not only to walk out this transformational journey, but also backing it up with an understanding of what that actually means. So Barna did a study that I want to talk to you about today Back in, I guess it was finished in, in and around 2011, so it's not real recent, but it's very relevant. And what he did as a result of this study was called nearly 15,000 respondents. Now, this is by phone and with a detailed, very detailed survey. Now, if anyone knows anything about statistics and probabilities and expository thinking as a result of that, you understand that 15,000 is more than a simple um, sampling size. It's quite large. And so as we consider the research and what Barna found, he wrote about it in a book called Maximum Faith live like Jesus. So for anybody that wants to get it, it's out of print, I believe, but you can still get copies of it. It details this study in a way that will help you understand that what Barna found was there is what he would call a 10-stop transformational journey toward wholeness or towards a place where uh, Jesus really ultimately has complete control over our life and that God is on the throne in a way that most of us don't really experience. So I want to outline that for you. It's kind of simple. We're going to do this in two parts. Thanks for joining us, by the way. I appreciate it. And in this first part, I just want to explain the basis behind this. And then I'm going to invite Colleen into the studio next week and we're going to record her sort of her take on these 10 stops. And we have created a model, almost an overlay, in Embracing Brokenness Ministries, which kind of parallels our healing model. And it's, and it, it's amazing. When we bumped into this study a couple years ago, it was like, ah, aha, one of those moments, you know, when you go, oh my gosh, this is everything that we were talking about. And now we have a study to sort of back up our assertions. So I'm gonna walk you through the 10 stops. And uh, just briefly, so you have a, a sense of what Barna was getting at when he did this survey. Uh, and when you think about the, the large amount of people that he did survey, it took six years to do it. 
So this is not a small task that he took on. And, and in this book, Maximum Faith, he gives you the whole complete outline of what went into it, what his um, suppositions or propositions were, her, his hypothesis, and, and, and what he actually found as a result of his study. So uh, let's do this. Stop one, what he calls basically unawareness of sin or, ba or, or for people that are just ignorant of the existence of sin. And that is a very small number. There's only 1% of the people surveyed that really um, landed there. Uh, secondly, is indifference to sin. Now, this is kind of aware of it. Uh, you know it exists. Sin is there in your life, but you're kind of indifferent to it. You really don't care as much about what the consequences are or that it's even happening. So you just kind of sit in neutral territory. And that's 16%. Stop three outlines what he would call worried about sin. Now that number is pretty significant. It's like 39%. So for most of us that are believers, you know, we get to a place where we have to sort of sort out our beliefs and our understanding of what sin means and how it entered the world and how it's affected us and then give a count for that or at least make a decision whether we decide to follow Jesus as a as someone who ultimately gave his life for our sins or whether we continue on the course that we currently are on and so this is a, a breaking point in some ways for most of us and, and if you remember some point in your life, you, you made a decision, if you are a Christian, that, that you decided stop four was for you, uh, forgiven for sin, which 9% get there. All right. I was nine years old when I walked down the aisle at our church and I gave my life to Jesus. Uh, now, from a really early age, I, I, I think since I could say his name, I believed. My, my parents uh, got saved later in life. So when they had me, I was, they were, my dad was 40, my mom was 36 or 37. And before that, they weren't walking with the Lord, but they gave their life to him. And I'm so thankful they did because I was brought up in a home that was solidly uh, attending church and we were in the word we were reading my mom used to read devotions to me at night and and we told bible stories and so there's much of that uh, that I it just became natural for me to to adopt believe and understand so when I got old enough to to make a decision to that extent I did and 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 even in the moment though I felt transformational for me to go oh my gosh I am a sinner I I, I need saved i need jesus i want him in my heart and that was my prayer but now you know i kind of walked out that journey a little differently but probably like many others made tons of mistakes along the way and so my testimony is more about the time that god rescued me from my really dumb decisions than it is about some transformational thing that happened to me later in my life and I had many of those dumb decisions that I made and many of them that didn't turn out the way I'd hoped. And of course they wouldn't based on some of the things that I chose to do. So many of us get to stop four and then furthermore get to stop five because not only are we forgiven, but we are very active in our faith, which means that we are committed to doing for God. So, you know, we 
<laughs> for many of us, we we do understand this is something I think I heard Dallas Willard say for the first time is that, that, that God cares a whole lot more about what we're becoming than what we are doing for him. And of course, many people have said, well, we are human beings, not human doings, tons of cliches and so forth around that. But I I think it's it's a real message. So, so being versus doing, most people, and this is crazy, but 89% of Christians actually stop here, stop five, the place where they're forgiven for their sins, but they're, and they're active in their faith and they're doing, 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 whether that's, you know, like I did in many cases, I was a youth leader or I counted the offering or I went to church camp as a counselor or I served in some other capacity in church throughout my earlier years in ways that many of us do. And that's nothing wrong with that. But what we really have to understand is there's a whole lot more to our life and our walk with God toward transformation than just stopping at five. I mean, after all, there's 10 stops here. Okay, so so let me keep going. Stop six is what Barna calls in summation, holy discontent. Holy discontent spiritual discontentment. What do you think about that? Does that make sense to you? Have you ever gotten to a place in time where you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, of course that's all I'm doing. I'm not being, I'm just doing. There's nothing rewarding about this except I get to check the boxes at the end of the day or at the end of the week that I did my duty for God. But without a real transformation internally where I have to do the hard work of embracing my brokenness, if you will, which is, oh, wait, it's next. It's stop seven, broken by God. Now, 3% of the people get there, broken by God. That's Barna's description. I would say it's about getting to a place where there's personal brokenness in our life and we recognize it. So we have this sort of period of discontentment and we can decide, well, what am I gonna do with that? Should I, am I gonna stay put or am I gonna do something about it? Am I going to take the next step and allow God to invade my world and embrace this brokenness and, and, and understand it for what it really is? Now, many of us are forced to embrace our brokenness because of the circumstances we find ourselves in. I was one of them. I made, I, I made tons of decisions that were just not sensible, especially early in my business career. I got involved in a partnership that where I was unequally yoked. So there were a number of guys, two, two people that I was partners with that had no interest in, in anything of God, if you will, just making money. But at the same time, they, that was an influence on me. And I, because of my wounding as a kid and many of the things that some of you have heard me talk about, I had to create my own significance by chasing the things of this world. So it was all about the money. Let me accumulate, accumulate, get nice things. I mean, I had big cars, boat. I traveled all over the world. I was, I had oceanfront property and I had a condo in Antigua. Part of my business dealings was to create this empire that I identified with. It was just, it was who I was. And if I didn't get it, I was fearful of acceptance. I was fearful of really, of people really liking me or believing that I had any value. And a lot of that was brought on by just how I had to adjust and, and how I was influenced by my parents and others 
And, and it landed on me in a way that I was very insecure about that. So work harder, let's get her done, whatever it takes, let's get to that next level. Well, when that all came crashing down, I had a choice. That story for another time, you can read in our book someday. But I had a choice. How was I going to handle the brokenness that came as a result of God removing those things in his very unique way <laughs> and choosing stop eight, which is surrender and submission. So only 1%, according to Barna's study. Now, this is pretty crazy when you think about it. 1% of people get to a place of total surrender and submission to God. That means laying it all down and going, okay, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. You must intervene in my life. I cannot and will not and have no ability to, to do this by myself. Without you, I can't make it work. That's amazing. And what's even more amazing when you get to stop nine, which is a profound love of God, when you really understand it and you, you know that you're a child of God, that you are loved, that he has created you in his image, and that all the things you see and feel and hear in this world are just temporal. They're, they're only influenced largely by the enemy's hooks that he gets in us and pulls us to pull us away from God. I mean, it happened from day one. Well, not day one, but later in the in the creation story when when Adam was created and Eve was created and they're walking by the cool in the cool of the day with the Lord and just enjoying life like we will only see again in heaven someday. But they were given a choice. So free will came into the picture and therefore when they chose to eat of the fruit that, that the serpent tempted them with because they understood it would allow them to be like God, understand good and evil, even though they didn't have a clue what either one of those things were. The enemy tempted them away from the perfect garden, the perfect relationship and this flow that was created in Eden for intimacy with God on a level which we've never seen since but we will see again. So this profound love of God is, is only a half a percent of the people actually get to that place. So remember, 89% of the people in this surveys, and I would suggest to you that it's all of us who are believers get stuck at stop five. Now, I wanna caution you. This is not about you comparing yourself to other people or even trying to put yourself in the scale. It's about recognizing that there's so much more to life than just what we're creating here in this ball of dirt. It's about loving God and loving others. If you look at the greatest commandment and the second, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that is stop 10. A profound love of people. Only another high, half a percent of those surveyed actually reached that level. So what does that mean? Oh my gosh, well, so big picture, if you want to know more, go read the book, Maximum Faith. But if, if you just look at the big picture, it requires of us a, a, a tremendous commitment to wanting to know God on a deeper level and know ourselves in light of that. But also lay down all the pretense, not living in this place where the only thing that matters is what matters to us here on this planet. But what matters to God most is a real intimate relationship with him one that allows us to step into who we really are. 
the individual, the human, the being that he created us to be in this world. So we all have a story and we all have a part in this body of Christ. And when you get to a place where you really understand that, it puts you in a position where you can love others and you put others first, you're not focused on what you get out of this journey. You are focused on what God wants to do in and through you. So being first, brokenness just means you get to a place where you lay it all down and you know, my gosh, this is not what I want my life to be. This dash in our tombstone, this time between our start date and our end date, that God has called us uniquely to love him and love others. He wants to define that for you in the deepest way. But it, it just requires you to lay it down. It requires you to give up what you believe those core longings are that only can be met in him and stop pursuing the things of this world and pursue the things of Christ. Now, I want, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up, but I want to give you that intro so that once we dig in a little deeper next time around, Colleen has just this unique way of teaching through this concept and helping you to understand it on a much deeper level. But again, 10 stops in the transformational journey. Take a look. It's called Maximum Faith, Live Like Jesus by George Barna. I'm sure you can still find it out there if you're interested. We have on our website a downloadable PDF which summarizes sort of the findings here. And I think that's what I read from initially. And it would be really helpful for you to understand it, at least on that level. And I'm, here's my challenge. Pray about this. Ask God to enlighten you. Help him to see what it is that is so important to knowing him and knowing yourself on a, on a much deeper and more intimate level. So I want to pray for you, Lord. I ask that you just sink this message deep in the heart of those that are listening. I ask that you would, would have planted a seed to dig deeper, to go to a level that they haven't been before, and that they would pursue that brokenness, that they would really pursue the understanding of, of a profound love of you and a profound love of others. Because really, if you think about what this world would look like if we just did that, oh my gosh, it would, it would be as if we were in heaven, even though that's, that's not what we would think of this earth as being. But we look forward to that day when all things are made new again and that we can live from and in that true identity as one body of believers in your kingdom, Lord. And we pray it all in your name. Amen. This was another episode of the Embracing Brokenness podcast. For more information on Embracing Brokenness Ministries or to subscribe to our blog, podcast, YouTube channel, or engage with us on social media, please visit our website at embracingbrokenness.org. Thanks for joining us.